Nigerian politics. They should lose, I think. By God's grace, they should lose. What's that? Nonsense. Well, I'll, I'll miss them. Oh, by the way, did you watch that uh, Trump press conference? I sure did. <laughs> I sure did. It was it was amazing. Like, do you know this is how democracies are destroyed? <laughs> I just realized that this dude is good. He's great. Yes, he's actually very good. He's actually very like I watched him at a rally actually. Yeah. And I thought, do you know, for all like all the poshness, all the intelligence you think you're applying, when it comes down to it, yeah. this is actually what you want. Yes, this dude is an excellent campaigner. Yeah. So he's an excellent communicator as well. He knows how to reach his people. Exactly. Because so, I watched that press conference and I just thought to myself, oh my god, this is this is brilliant. <laughs> Because he's so different from the norm, right? Yeah. And to a lot of people, that seems more honest. Yeah. You know, it seems real. It seems honest. It seems raw. It seems like he's uncensored, and they like that. Yeah. But, but the thing is, in a weird way, Obama too was that. Because I think I had this conversation with, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but I was saying that Hillary's real problem, like Professor Kingsley Mogalis, they don't have that X factor. So Obama had it. And Trump has it. You see, the thing is, right, with... I, I, I won't really put Mahali in the mix because he's quite new on the political scene. But with Hillary, she does have it in private. When you read about how people speak about her in her private life, she's yeah. funny, she's engaging, she's smart, but she's been overcoached. Do you know what? All yeah. these years in public, they tell you, oh, don't do this, the public doesn't like it, don't say that. So after all that, you can't even be yourself. But somehow Bill and Obama managed it. They're men. It's easier for men, Michael. And I'm not even just saying this on a feminist tip. It's easier for men. The same things that men do when women do it, the perceptions are completely different. So how did Margaret Thatcher do it then? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. And besides, and besides, here is not a presidential system. You know, it's, 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 it's a different system. Perhaps if Thatcher herself was running for power, it might have been different. You know, I don't okay, know. What about Oprah? Oprah has that thing as well. But Oprah is not a politician. Michael. Okay, maybe it's what it is, but I don't know how to explain it because I don't even know what it is. But you can just see some people and just think, this 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 person can win. We just need to package this person. Like I really hope if Hillary does run again, she throws all the advice to the wind and just and just does how she does in private and just you know just relaxes and engages people because I've read so many articles saying in private she's like so funny and engaging and in public she's so stiff. You know, it's, so my, it's my, weird. My own suspicion. I might be wrong, but my suspicion is that it's, it's too late for her. It's already, people already identify her with that uh, wooden performance. Yeah, probably, probably but you're right. I would encourage them to back maybe even Joe Biden or someone. Because I think Joe, I don't know how old he is now, but I think Joe Biden is the kind of person that can take on uh, Trump. Yeah, you know some people are old, but they're like a young old. Like Trump is in his 70s, but he's a young, yeah. young kind of, you know, like Obasanjo is what, in his 80s now maybe? Yeah. But he's a young 80s. You see what yeah. I mean? Like he's active, he's agile, that kind of thing. Unlike our dear presidents there, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's... Oh, I'm recording, by the way. Welcome to the Pokey London Flat series with me, Afro7. And I've got our favorite recurring guest on the show, Michael, a.k.a. Nigeria's Best on Twitter. Welcome to the show again, Michael. Thank you for having me, and hello, listeners. Since the last time we recorded, Michael's had a brand new baby, so congratulations on that. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Very eventful delivery, but uh, we thank God. 
We thank God. Yeah, I actually missed the birth as well. Oh dear. Why must you be such a Nigerian man? How could you miss the birth? No, that's what I'm saying. I was actually, because it actually happened in the house. Oh, wow. But it was one of those strange things where I didn't know it was coming that night. And my, my mother was visiting. I made some spicy igusi soup. Mm-hmm. So literally just ate. I don't know what it is with igusi that instead me to the toilet. But <laughs> 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 igusi soup. And just as he says, oh, my water's broken. We have to call the ambulance. And the ambulance arrived. Just as the ambulance arrived. I said, oh, my stomach, I've got to go. Oh, so God. I ran to the toilet, and by the time I came up, I saw him holding a baby. I was like, oh, well, quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I saw a photo of your children. Your wife is beautiful because your children are so cute. No, oh, that's your father, obviously. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> How dare you? I saw your babies. I was like, wow, your wife must be gorgeous. They are gorgeous babies. Congratulations to you once again. Oh, thank you. Thank and God, you, thank God you. bless bless them for you and you for them, as they say. Amen. Yes, Amen. yes, yes. So, you know, not actually not much has happened since the last time we spoke, but a lot of a particular thing has also happened. And we'll talk about that lastly, yeah. because I think it's that serious that we give it enough time to discuss it, you know. But before we get to that particular thing that I don't even want to introduce yet, Let's yeah. talk about, you know, all the little shenanigans. After Atiku picked OBE, there was reaction in the Southeast, some of which I found disappointing. But I'm willing to accept that perhaps I'm not well versed in the politics of that region, so I didn't really understand the reaction there. So I'm talking about a... And till today, there still hasn't been an official announcement of OBE as Atiku's vice presidential pick. Um, so we got we got confirmation that uh, Atiku had selected OBE as his vice presidential running mate and um the reaction from i mean i know that twitter is not nigeria but from those who are ready to see the current government turfed out from office the reaction was largely positive obi enjoys a positive reputation you know one that's not common with nigerian politicians um so it was largely positive but um the reaction from the southeastern bloc from the powers that be in the southeast wasn't as positive as we expected do you have, did we, I don't think we've discussed this, but do you have any insight into why that was at the time? Well, it's part of the culture, which is one of the reasons why, in a sense, I think if Nigeria's democracy is to make progress, then we need more of Nigeria to be like the Southeast. Because the way the Southeast works is, is not enough. For like, for example, Buhari just picked uh, Prof as his running mate, or Tinubu nominated Prof as his running mate. And the whole Southwest just said, yes, uh, we, we align with Tinubu. With, with the Southeast, everybody there believes that they should have been on the ticket. Everybody there believes they should have been, should be vice president. So it's one of those things where it's not enough for Atiku to just say, look, I've picked someone from the Southeast. They also feel that Atiku and that person needs to come and explain to each and every one of them why they think PKLB is the best man for the job. So it's it's a it's a it's a very republican type of culture, which is what I think the rest of Nigeria should emulate. Because mm-hmm. in any other part, even in the South South, as soon as they take Jonathan, there wasn't that much murmuring from the other South South. Well, I don't. I I mean, it certainly has its merits, but I don't know that I would like that to be emulated at least the way it, the way it played out. I think everybody had the right to question the choice because you can't just choose and expect people to fall in line. Everybody had yeah. the right to question the choice. But sh- the public, I'm sorry, the public should not have been made aware. 
I think uh, it was unfair to the candidate himself. Um, it played into some unfair stereotypes as well. I think these meetings should take place. As, you know, these politicians are used to having meetings at 4 a.m. They could have done this at 4 a.m. However, they needed to do it, resolved it, and then coalesce around the candidate if they wanted to. And if they didn't want to, just be quiet. Because so, I, I subscribe to the opposite because I generally like democratic debate, open democratic debate. So I like debate to be as open as, as possible so everybody can see ideally, what is Michael, going on. Michael, ideally. Nigeria is very far from the ideal. Yes. No, but that, that's why I said I'm happy that I wanted to move in that direction. So for me, any fight that happens in the open is something I like to see. Because mm, I don't even agree in, with in, that in the UK or in, in the US, when politicians are debating ideology or debating policy, they write open letters. No, that's fine. But here we weren't we weren't debating ideology here. We're de debating the selection of a candidate. And to be fair oh, yeah, with you, but wait, Michael, wait, wait, Michael, wait, Michael. Yeah. To be fair to to be fair, it wasn't yeah. just about Obi's selection. It was about how his selection will undermine the prospects, the long term prospects of certain other individuals. Right? What? What? If you have what? a vice, if you wait, if you have a vice, you know how they do the zoning bullshit. If you have a vice president from the southeastern region. The likelihood is you can't have a DSP from the same region, right? Yeah. Okay. So, but the DSP in his own right sees himself as the foremost politician from the southeast. So he sees some certain dues, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about respect, maybe notice should have come yeah. his way before Obi was selected. Now, I don't blame him for that. I think in 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 the Nigerian norm, that is not too much to ask. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think that the public should have been made aware of these things. What, what, what you're saying is what I'm, in a way I'm also saying, which is in Igbo Republican culture, the way it should be, even in, in, the, in the Conservative Party in England, every single MP believes they should be the Prime Minister. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing among all Igbo politicians. Most of them believe they should be the one to get the ticket. Mm -hmm. So yes, if I'm the Deputy Senate President, and you've now presented someone and say he should be VP, I know that's a threat to my position. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm going to accept it, he needs to come and explain to me or I think we need to explain to me why he thinks this person is better than me for the job. Mm. So, in a sense, that is one of the ropes that modern politicians have to, to jump through. The more you have to defend and explain yourself, the better you become as a leader and a communicator because you, you have to think through why you're doing what you're doing. The problem we have a lot in Nigerian politics is people are picked, but they've, they've never been given the chance to explain why they should be the person that has been picked. And then we can see it in the way Buhari governs. You can tell that this dude has never really given thoughts to anything. Not just him, many of his ministers, you can see, they can't even explain why they're doing what they're doing. Because they've never been made to, to go through that rigorous process where you have to defend yourself. I mean, I think I agree with you. Ideally, I agree with you. But I don't agree that this is what took place in this instance. I don't think it's the idea that you're explaining why this man is better than me. I don't think that's what informed the Buhari. Personally, I think certain features were threatened by his choice. And the fact that Obi is very much his own man, you know, which led to him le leaving Apgar to begin with, etc., etc. So, yeah. I think some well, of that also informed the little dissent that occurred. Well, of course, that's what politics is. Politics is a clash of, like I've just said, egos and ideas. So, yes, mm -hmm. I'm saying I think I should be prime minister, and you are saying you should get the job. So, you need someone to explain to me why you think you're better than me yeah. for it yeah. and win me over. Yeah, yeah. So that's what they're saying, and mm -hmm. I 100% support that. Mm -hmm.
I mean, in the end, I'm glad that everybody sorted out the issues. And, you know, I, I'm, I don't understand why there still hasn't been an official announcement. It, I mean, I uh, I don't think INEC debars them announcing that they've chosen somebody, does it? Well, I, I thought uh, Atiku gave a mini press. Uh, they just issued a statement. But I, my suspicion is maybe now that he's back from uh, his uh, Dubai trip. Mm. <laughs> another funny story. <laughs> now that he's back from his Dubai trip, I think maybe... They, they might have some sort of a press conference where they announce okay, uh, okay. And because uh, as well, has Buhari announced Oshimbajo as his VP um, for the next elections? Well, I, I don't think so yet. I didn't think still. so either. Yet. I think they're waiting for the PDP to do theirs. Oh, yes. Well, maybe, maybe it's because of the, uh, you know, they said INEX has given this deadline that you can't campaign until a certain date. Oh, INEX own is too much, I beg. God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Nigeria is pure jokes. Because I thought I saw the press statement that the APC gave when Atiku went to Dubai. They said there's enough hotel rooms and conference centers in Nigeria. Now, why didn't he use them? Why did he have to go to Dubai? And I just thought, what, what, what does that even mean? No, I mean, concern? you know, when someone's employed as the uh, spokesperson, they have to speak now. So you have to earn, you have to earn your pay. You have to be seen as active doing something you get me even if what you're doing makes no sense it's sort of like running in place you have to be yeah. you have to show motion you know so i think i mean come look at the cadre of spokespeople he has he being the president they're all idiots pardon my french but every time they speak you wince a little bit you know because their, their speech is carried by international media you have to wince like what's going on here you know it's 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 really really quite something and oh geez i'm tired of being embarrassed by the government but that's one thing Another thing I want us to discuss really quickly is the Shia issue. Um, yeah. So the Shia are marching and protesting the continued detaining of El Zakzake, the, the the leader of the IMN. I must say IMN, not Shia, because Shia is not sim- synonymous with IMN. So they are they are a movement, yes, so like a denomination of yeah, exactly Shia of Shia, yeah. yeah. So the the IMN members are protesting the continued detaining of their leader El Zakzake and um. A few of them were mown down by the Nigerian army in Abuja. Um, claims were that they were throwing rocks at the military. Um, I don't understand why every time the Shia are protesting, magically they will jam the military, as, as, as so to speak. You know, like, I, I don't understand that. They were protesting in Kaduna. From nowhere, a military convoy appeared. They're protesting in Abuja. From nowhere, the military is conducting exercise on the same day. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But that's, by the way, the main thing is, Nigeria continues to turn continues to turn its guns on minority citizens, people of yeah. min- minority religions or ethnic minorities. And what what was most galling about this incident was the justification by the Nigerian military, a justification that was picked up all around the world by leading publications all around the world, where yeah. the idiot that runs the account for the Nigerian military posted Trump's justification that was immediately repudiated by the american military because it offered a counter statement almost immediately when trump said what he said our military thought it appropriate to use the ramblings of president trump as justifications for murdering their own citizens even when trump wasn't talking about americans he was talking about mexicans who he termed invaders right so what did you make of all that because i was deeply deeply ashamed well, the for me the, the the broader point is 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 
is the is the issue about the duplicity of the Nigerian political class and the political system. Because, for example, you know the story of uh, General Major General Victor Mali, who was mm -hmm. the former chief of army staff. Yes. When they raided OD in Bielsa and slaughtered innocent people there, Malu justified it. And then a few years after, the same army invaded his own village and killed many people, including his own relatives. And then Malu began to talk about human rights and how this was an abuse of, of human rights. Oh, so he just so, woke up, Abby? Yes. So even under the military's own rules of engagement, they know that they broke the law. But the problem with Nigerian politics is as long as you have power and it doesn't affect you. You're doing it to other people. It's fine. Yeah, mm. You just spout lies without caring. But the moment the, the, the shoe is on your, on your neck, you suddenly remember that human rights are important. But the thing with the Shiite movement is that we have to tell the truth about what's really going on in Nigeria. You know there's a, there's a clash between the Sunni and the Shiites globally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Saudi Arabia is leading that movement. And obviously... Mm -hmm. There's the sense that Iran is funding the IMN in Nigeria. That's right, yes. So, quite frankly, a lot of the powerful Sunni Muslims in Nigeria do not consider the IMN to be a, let's say, a, a group worthy of protection. Yes. So, no, many of them will not say publicly, but quite frankly, many of them don't care. Mm -hmm. So, Buhari doesn't care because Buhari is a Sunni. I mean, that's obvious them, in his stance. It's obvious yes. in the government's stance that they don't care. Yes, many of the senior military officers are uh, northern military officers are Sunni as well, mm -hmm. so they don't care. If if these were Sunni Muslims protesting, oh, then their approach would have been different. Yes. So that's the on on the line theme that is running through the, the whole thing, which is the fact that there's a global war between Sunni and Shia. That's why even the international community is, is muted. They're not really taking up the story apart from maybe uh, Amnesty International. Is because they, they see this in the prism of Iran. Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Saudi obviously Arabia, yeah. the U.S. is on the side of the Saudi Arabians. Iran yeah. is a big enemy globally, so, you know, yeah. mm, this plays into it nicely, I suppose, yeah. into international and, narratives. Yes, yeah. and then, obviously, there are some sects of Sunni Islam that teach that the Shiites are not even Muslims, but they are infidels. Yes, or yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of the politicians are trying to tap into that sentiment. They're so not trying, they have. Yes, so it's happening. So, in fact, the oppression of the Iron Men boosts their political uh, exactly. clout exactly. up north. So exactly. they're not going to be the ones to say anything. Which exactly. is, for example, people were asking Atiku why Atiku to comment. It? And someone said that's the same reason. Because if Atiku says anything, then he will be painted as I mean, it's, it's not politically expedient for him to talk about this. You yes. know, that's just a fact. Whether we yes. like it or not, that's just the truth. He, yes. If he says anything condemning the Nigerian army, he will be a friend of the Shias, he will be supporting terrorists, quote-unquote. So, you know, yeah. that's just what it is. Yeah, so it's very sad that uh, the military is being used to fight religious sectarian battles. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like a Catholic president using his powers to oppress Pentecostals. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. the, the, there's a part of the Southeast that they claim that's the current, uh, that's what obtains currently. You know, that the, the, the government of, what's his name in Anambra, uh, Willie Obiano, is, yeah. is appointing only Catholics. I mean, sometimes I think we're so ridiculous in the country. Well, like the things we worry about is utterly ridiculous. The thing for me is, uh, even at Harvard Business School and other business schools, they teach about uh, diversity and diversity management. I think Nigeria is one of those countries that is, is a union of 360 ethnic groups, religions, and all kinds of uh, 
have to have so many diversity issues. And what leadership is about, really, is it's about inclusion. Yes, yes. But so Michael, Michael, how are you going? How many divisions do you want? Okay, so moving on from the from from the uh, Shia issue, the IMN issue, I think we can both agree that it was wrong. We can both yeah. agree that the government needs to be held to account for these actions and we can both agree that it's dangerous going forward because all yes. it takes for the shia uh, sorry for the iron to get arms yes and then what are we going to do right okay well what we can what we can pray for is the first thing is we need a, a president that can that can drop the temperature so someone who someone who can be a statesman because the truth of the matter is these men are not going to be alive in the next 10 years Mm. So, or 20 years, even 15. So we need a president who can say, look, I'm, about, I'm going to die soon. So for once, let me just do something statesmanly to drop the temperature across the... Uh, because at the moment, the, the ethnic and political cleavages are, are heated. Let's one just come and say, okay, look, let's just drop everything. So maybe I don't know if I take the wings. I think I'll say, okay, look, let's stop the suppression of the Shiites. Release the El Zaki and then say, okay, what issues do we have with IMN? Is it the fact that you guys block roads when you're praying? Okay, let's agree that you only But it's not only the IMN that does this, Michael. I have witnessed with my own eyes driving in Abuja where we had to come to a standstill because, and I'm certain that it was a, Mus a Sunni mosque, they yeah. were praying on the road. Yeah. So, and, it, and this same thing happens in Lagos where they spread yeah. mats on the road. Yeah. But, so that's what I'm saying. We need, we need a leader who can come forward and say, okay, look, let's, let's, let's stop all this. Let's, well, that person has to be someone who is able to rise beyond their own narrow parochial, parochial interests. Yeah. And I don't think Buhari can do it. It's just not, I don't know why, but he's not wired that way. Another thing that just struck me, we don't actually know what promises our government has made to Saudi Arabia vis-a-vis -vis this IMN issue, right? Yeah. Because a continued entertainment of, of what's his name, El Zagzaki, El makes no sense. It makes well, yeah. no sense. So it seems to me that there's something else looming over this whole issue that we are not aware of. No, the, the, if you remember, when Buhari came back from Saudi Arabia, it was announced that we had signed up to be a part of the global coalition mm. against Iran. Oh, and they had so, to deny that. Yes, Garashil denied it, and then someone else confirmed it. So, well, yes, so it's obvious that we've signed up to something. So that's the truth of the matter. We, we've joined this battle that we didn't have a say. That's got nothing to do with us. I'm probably stiff. So Gosh. we're having to manage, because at the end of the day, to be fair to the government, Iran too is a problem in Nigeria, because you know, they have Hezbollah groups here, mm -hmm. and they're, they're, they, a lot of their laundering of funds via Hezbollah goes to Nigeria and then to Lebanon. Mm. So we, we're, right, we're right to be concerned about Iran's influence in Nigeria. We're right to be concerned about all of them. Yes. Michael, that's why we don't need to be choosing sides. Yes, so that's why, yes, it's best to stay out and say, look... They all pose a menace to the future of the country. We don't need yes. to be choosing sides. No, yes, but, but that's, that's my general point, which is, sometimes you have to govern your country as she is, not as mm -hmm. you imagine her to be. Mm -hmm. Nigeria is not Britain. In Britain, two Scottish people could be Prime Minister and Deputy Prime Minister, Prime Minister and Chancellor, nobody would bat an eyelid. In America, things like that will happen. You have to manage diversity. So... My, my view is we need governments that understand that and say, okay, look, if this is a state split between Catholic and Angli uh, Anglicans, if I know that's the main tension, then let's find a way to balance it. Okay, so I agree with you generally. However, if, if, our, if the fissures were between Catholics and Anglican or Yoruba and Igbo, Hausa and 
active or whatever, that's fine. Yeah. But underneath that, there are more things you need to consider. Who comes from which village? Whose father oh, yeah. was there last? I mean, how uh, how many slices of the cake? How, ma- how many ways are you going to slice and dice this thing? At some point, merit and inclusion have to meet each other in the middle. Well, well yes, it, it will. Because, for example, even in the city, there's a big push now for diversity, both ethnic and uh, sexual and, and gender. gender. Yeah. And companies are somehow managing to do that. They're not saying we're dropping the standards. Well, the understanding that, look, there's many talented women out there, there are many talented black people, let's find a way. You can never get a perfect balance, but you're constantly striving. Mm. And the thing is, if you have leaders with emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. they are able to work with communities. The funny thing is, many of Nigeria's communities are actually self-sustaining. So even without governance, they've been able to do, sort out their own zoning amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. But what often happens is, instead of government going there and say, okay, look, what have you guys agreed? Let's go with what you've agreed. A foolish governor will go there and destroy what amongst themselves they've already agreed. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's actually that difficult. I mean, personally, I'm against zoning. Um, I'm against zoning. That's just it. What I am, what I am for is inclusion, and I'm for inclusion primarily at educational level. So starting in primary school, we ensure that funding. And quality yeah. is spread ac- across the country. I think if we get that right, at least, it gives us a better chance to be as inclusive as necessary later. Because now we're doing it, we're half-stepping. We know that a part of the country tends to perform better than another part when it, when we're talking about merits. But then at the top, we want to bring people who are not as qualified, who are not as educated, to take places that really should be going to people who know what they're doing. So obviously that's going to cause some tensions, right? I'm not saying that governors should appoint all Muslims or all Catholics or all Christians or, or whatever. But the point is, a state needs to function. It needs to well, function now. Well, the, the, truth, the truth is, from my own experience, even with the gap in educational attainment between North and South, there's still, there's still a large pool of Northerners who are highly qualified and yes, who can do these jobs. Yes, yes, I but agree. The problem you have with Buhari is he won't even pick any of those. Exactly. He would literally go and pick the most, you can give Buhari a list of 10 uh, PhD, 10 qualified candidates on Kano. He would literally pick somebody off that list who has no qualifications. And you think to yourself, this dude has a PhD from Kano and from Katina. Why didn't you pick him? Why have you picked someone you, you drag from your village who has no qualifications? Yeah, he probably well, knows his mother. Yeah, exactly. He probably knows his mother. His mother knows his mother. Something yeah. along those lines. So, yeah. to be honest, I don't think zoning is necessary. We call it zoning in Nigeria. In other countries, they call it diversity management or whatever. Yeah, affirmative action in some places, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but well, even, even within those systems, Michael, they don't just exist in a vacuum, as in they exist in and of itself. You have to meet a minimum requirement to well, even yeah. be considered for yeah, that but program. But that's what I'm saying. We, we have those people all across the country. I mean, you work in, in the city. There are many times you meet all kinds of Nigerians, you meet some Northerners. All of them have top qualifications. Right. So if the government was serious and said, okay, look, I need someone from Katina. You can, yeah, you can find them everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you can. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. You can, yeah. but it's just the way we do ours that yeah. troubles me because we give no quarter to merit at all. You know, you can still, you can still be meritorious and inclusive at the same time. It's not either or. Yeah. Right. It's not either or. And, you know, this is, it's a lot of the reasons we're in this rubbish that we're in today because people pay scant attention to merit and it's just about inclusivity or zoning in quotes as they say 
you know, so it, 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 it really does disturb me. So when I saw the headline from a number, I had to laugh. Like, this is the best performing state in the whole country in terms of education, investment, trade, all that. And we're still concerned about something as parochial as this. But I suppose you have a point. Well, the government it's, uh, should try it's, to... It's a bit like anybody saying, well, somebody complaining that Google has only white people on its board. Mm. And then... Somebody tells them and says, well, Google is the most profitable company in the world. No, Yet yes, yes, I take your point. I, your yeah, I take, I take your point. I take your point. It was just amusing yes. to me that even here, this is a concern. You know? Yes, no, it's, it's a concern everywhere, everywhere in the world. Diversity, even within your own household. <laughs> Not really, no. no, I, no I, 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 I was born first, and I'm... To me, I'm the most responsible member of the family. But <laughs> but if my sibling, my sister, my second sister, my first sister is the one immediately after me, my second sister, sometimes I defer to her because I like the way she analyzes things. So I say, you yes. know what? Yes, okay, fine. I will go your way. You know, I don't insist that it's my way or no way. If she brings an idea that makes sense, and she often does, I'll defer to her like, okay, we'll do it how but, you want. Wait, but you're making my point. Every family has to manage diversity. Yeah. Otherwise, okay. Anyway, we I, don't we don't really disagree on this. To be fair, yeah. it's just the 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 roots will take might differ, but we don't really disagree on it. All right. Yeah. So the reason I called this uh, podcast today, actually, I was going to say meeting. Feels like an elders meeting. <laughs> but <laughs> the reason I called this podcast actually was because there's a particular worry on my mind now. It's it's becoming apparent that this is a tactic by which the APC plans to win the election or plans to fight the election. And that yep. is on ethnicity and ethnic strife. Now, let yep. me start the story from the beginning. On Friday, um, I was cc'd into a tweet because I didn't see it myself. I was cc'd into a tweet saying, oh, when I was detained or when I went to Anambra for the elections, Peter Obi said, what, what am I... Like, I'm paraphrasing, guys. The tweet is probably still around, so please check it out for yourself. What am I doing in Anambra as a man from, as a man from Kaduna that he would not go to Katsina? Right. So according to Peter, uh, according to El Rufai, Peter Obi said this. And as a result, El Rufai said Peter Obi is a bigot. Yeah. I quote. Now, when this tweet was brought to my attention, I looked at it and I wasn't really concerned. Right? I was like, you know what? I don't agree with his conclusion, but this is the nonsense Nigerian politicians do when it comes to politics, because I had a particular thing in my mind when I said that. Now, I don't know if I should really go into this because I don't want to give too much air to this rubbish. But in, in, in the interest of full disclosure, I think we should. So there was a time during the uh, elections in 20... Mm, I think it was when Chris Ngige was on the ACN's uh, ticket for the, yeah. uh, for the governorship in Anambra. And Peter Obi was a little bit underhanded vis-a-vis Fashola deporting some... Uh, some Anambra people back to Anambra. In the same exercise, he deported some people back to Ibadan, uh, or was it or your state or something, etc., etc. But Peter Obi was a little bit underhanded about that whole thing. Um, he himself deported people. So anyway, that was my response to the tweet that was brought to my attention. I said, listen, I don't agree with this conclusion, but this is the tactic these guys all play, right? And then later, as I started to think about it, I realized, and then, you know, there was a bit of a back and forth as to the merit of Erofi's claim as to whether he was really detained by the DSS. And in the middle of that conversation, I said, hold on, I'm doing exactly what he wants, which is really looking at this as if it's meritorious and not looking at it as for, for the deviousness that it is, which yeah. is, he says something like that, people like me, Rousseau, et cetera, we start debating it. People will start getting outraged and defending Obi, and then they will drop more links, drop more claims, and further 
the agenda. So I had to say blatantly, listen, I'm not partaking in this conversation anymore because I understand what it's meant to do. And this this tweet is like the stalking horse, you know, so you start with this and then other people come with other claims and then you 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 blow it up, you explode it and you take it to the streets. This yeah. is how it starts. And we have to nip it in the bud here. Now, what I'm at a loss to is how do we do that? Because I'm so, and I think the last episode we had, I just, we discussed Erufai again. I'm, I'm annoyed that we have to discuss him again, but here we are. And I told you how disappointed I am in his, in his general behavior. Now, this to me is another low. It's not the first time he's done this, but this yeah. is particularly dangerous because of the history of Nigeria between the Igbos and the Northerners. Well, my view is uh, some lady. I think last year, I went last uh, December. I was in Uganda for a while, and that got me researching the history of East Africa. And I began to read about the whole genocide in Rwanda and the how the thing began. And the more I began to research it, and the more I began to find that Elrufai is actually a very dangerous man, because like most uh, genocidal types. They tend to be highly educated, but use their education and intelligence to sow seeds that literally trigger fighting. Yeah. So that's what Erofai is basically doing because from speaking to people and doing my own two and two, I can see what has happened. The APC has done their own internal polling and they've seen that they cannot win this thing if it's straight based on policies and issues. So what they've done is they decided that look we need to bring out the base, basically like what Trump is doing in America. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the way to do this is to get the Southwest excited and to get, get the North excited. Exactly. And exactly. if we can bring the numbers out, then we can win this thing. So Fashola was actually the one that kick-started it when yeah. he gave that speech saying, if you vote for APC, then the Southwest will get the presidency in 2023. That was basically his own dog whistle to that base. Mm. And then El Rufai and the others for example, with the oppression of the Shiites and the other things, are part of the movement to say, okay, look, we're now fighting the Shiites. We're fighting against this evil man who's against the North. So that's what they're trying to do. And the real danger is if Buhari loses this thing, then those Northerners or the, the mob, not all Northerners, but the mob that Erufa has, has, has incited will now feel just like 2011 that they've lost because that evil man did something. And what will then happen, they'll go to the streets again, straight to the uh, uh, Sabangari quarter of, of Kano and other northern states, attacking innocent Igbo people. So this is a very serious thing. This man is actually a threat to national security in a normal country, should be arrested. So, so why, what, like, after I had that discussion, the one I just explained to you, I really yeah. sat down and I thought, what like I was I was annoyed at my own lack of emotional intelligence because I thought this is not something you can just talk about and be dispassionate about and talk about it as if you're talking about the weather. Nigeria is a fragile country. It doesn't take much to get people riled up and fired up and to start taking actions that you can't unwind. Right, El Rafai and his family will be safe if such a thing were to occur. Yeah. Right, it pains me. That is, it appears that the Nigerian media is just taking this as part of the course, one. And two, that the PDP did not anticipate this and have a strategy to deal with it. Well, the, the thing How is, do you counter something like this? There's no, for, on the PDP side, there's no, all they can do is what PDP did. They said, look, I'm not going to engage you. I'm just going to pray for you. The real issue, truth be told, is, and I have to be frank, look, 
Western world where a lot of us learn our politics. Some people are ostracized from polite company because of things that they do or they say. Because that's the price those people pay. People like El Rufai is a darling of the NGOs, a darling of the media, and certain circles that consider themselves to be polite or intelligent. And as long as those people don't turn around and say to him, look, you're not welcome here anymore, he will feel he's not paying any price. So what the media needs to do, many of the NGOs who still support him need to ask themselves that, what are we doing with this kind of person? So the, for me, that, that's the real lesson. All you guys literally need to repudiate him and say, look, we're, we're not, this is not us. Because my, that's my, my, to be honest, my, that's my main annoyance on social media. I still see people who are highly educated and intelligent say, no, yes, I'll still support, I'll support Iraq, reply for the presidency. No, I, I don't really see anyone saying that these days, to be fair. No, 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 I still see the tweets. I still <laughs> see many of them. And I think to myself, what kind of, are you not even ashamed to be associated with this kind of fellow? Because if, if we take King Kola out of it, this is the sort of thing the KKK would say in America. I mean, people, I know Americans who are embarrassed to be associated with Trump. Yes. That's, that's the level it should be for people like Earl Fine. But he's not there yet. He'll hold the book festival, he'll host it, and they'll all turn up and be smiling. Well, I don't, I mean, Michael, really, honestly, I, I'm, I'm always in a mild panic about Nigeria anyway. Nigeria is the biggest source of anxiety for me. I suppose because I don't have a family, so I've got a lot of mind space to be thinking about these things. I was in a mild, mild panic, shall I say, on Saturday morning, like, yo, this thing is concerted. Because then I started seeing your typical APC guys saying, yeah. eh, address what he said now, address what he said, this one, that one. I was like, okay. So they've had a meeting and this thing is actually concerted. We're going to be subject to these kinds of tweets henceforth. And Peter Obi is not at the top of the ticket. It is Atiku that's at the top of the ticket. Why are you attacking this guy? Then it became apparent to me that, listen, Peter Obi's otherness yeah. is the way they think they can win these elections. Yeah. And that, I don't know how, and I don't know when, but there has to be a consequence for this kind of behavior. And my, my worry is, these people think it's a joke. If if I were Igbo now, Peter Obi's yeah. candidacy will be very exciting to me, right? Yeah. This is me speaking for myself because even as a non-Igbo, I'm excited by his candidacy, even though I'm not supporting APC or PDP. <laughs> his, his, his candidacy will be exciting to me. Maybe as a young person, I might want to work for his candidacy. I might want to canvass for him, canvass for the party, canvass for Tiku, etc. You know, You get these young people maybe campaigning and then harm comes to them. Because they're saying something you don't like or they're, or they're supporting a candidate you don't agree with. Yeah. From there, from something so small, poof, it explodes. But, but, but I suppose that's the point. The question is, if I were a, an Igbo man living in Kano, I'd be too scared to go out to vote. Yeah, I'll pack my load and, and move to a safer part of the country. I'm sorry. Well, because. Well, that, well, that's the whole point. Like we're saying in America, that's the, that's the, the, uh, the strategic disenfranchisement. Well, because yeah. Well, yes. Basically, yes. Because these people will be registered to vote in this town. Yeah. If you make it impossible to vote, you're making it possible for the other guy to win. Exactly. So that's what they're going. That's what's going to happen. Because I, quite frankly, if I, I was an Igbo trader up north, I just tell my kids, "Look, we're going from January. We'll come back." No, After this, no, this no, 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 Michael. I know we're saying it as a joke, and we're saying it because this is what Nigeria is. But this is not good. This is not good enough. 
Well, it's not what I'm saying is, as I've always said, people tend to speak in grand, grandiose language about wanting to change Nigeria. But sometimes changing Nigeria is just making a simple step, something that's within your own power. So those people on social media like yourselves or whoever who have any kind of connection with LRFI, Look, stop, wait, listen, chill, relax. Stop saying this thing, you know. And I think I think you you and a lot of people mistake me for someone who has a relationship with El Rufai. Let me tell you one thing. If you know nothing else about me, I am an honest person. And I will tell you, officially or unofficially, the extent of my relationship with a man. If it was anything different from what you know thus far, right? Well if you wait, well, let me let me land, let me land. Yeah. I like him. I liked him. And I've told you that point blank with no reservation. And I've told you what I like about the man, what I don't like about the man. And when I didn't like what he did, I told you that without you prompting me. Did I not? Well, if you look if you look at my Twitter history, where I have disagreed with the man, I haven't hidden my mouth. I have said it very plainly, just like I am telling you today. So let nobody be under any stupid assumption that this fellow pays me or has employed me or has hired me as a mouthpiece for him. I am I am beholden to nobody and I will speak my piece as it comes to me honestly on no, any matter. But this, but this is not about who is paying who. What I'm saying is there is a level somebody descends to that it even becomes unacceptable to say, I like part of him. We get to a point where we say, look, this person is radioactive. So there should not be any tweet saying, oh, I like him, but for this part. We need to get to the point with this fellow, Erufai, where people, when I say relationship, I don't mean any kind of financial, but people who support him or whatever need to get to the point where they say, look, there is a level, you, there's a line you cross where it is done between me and you. I'm not involved again. So that's what I'm talking about. And people need to be public and repudiate him. The same way in America you have the Me Too movement, another movement where people come forward and say, look, what you've done today has crossed the line. We're done with you. But my issue is Nigerian intelligentsia don't seem to have got to that point with Erufai. When you yeah, something I, I, I think, I think, it's, I think, it, I think it's important. I think it's important that anybody with an iota of, of following or power, or whatever, whatever you want to call it, does take a stand on this because it is dangerous. It is very, very, it is made even more dangerous by the fact that the campaign is going to hinge on the shit. They have tried the corruption angle. It doesn't seem to have picked. So they yeah. have, they, they are looking for another entry into sparking up the polity, as they say. Yeah, no, but that's what I mean. It needs to be repudiated. Not a case of, oh, I condemn him and then next week no, he will no, say, well, you, you, yes, you, he did that, but... Mm-mm. I am supporting for this. We need to I, I, I think table. I think he he himself is desperate. I think he's desperate. I think he needs an enemy to fire people up to to reelect him. So be it the Shia, be it Peter Obi, because they've they've had a long going uh, thingy between them. So be it Peter Obi or the Igbo, whoever he needs an imaginary enemy that he's protecting. He's protecting in quote his people from to spark up the enthusiasm to re-elect him. This is very calculated. This is devious, it's calculated. And it comes from typical politics, I mean, communication 101. I think I was tweeting about this the other day. Well, Trump well, Trump engages in this, where he says something ridiculous. It could be, well, well, it, it could be. wait, listen, it could be a little bit true, but it's usually very wild, right? So normal people will say, ah, how can you say that? That's outrageous. Then the White House will release a statement to counter the counter. 
Do you get what I'm saying? So the initial thing he said becomes irrelevant. Now the White House is responding to the outrage about the thing he said. So no, that way you keep the conversation going. This is exactly what was done here. Oh, yes, but the, the, the key point I'm making is the people who are Republicans, like, like myself as American, I'll be a Republican, but there's a group of us called the Never Trumpers, i.e. There's, there's nothing he can do. We've drawn our line with David Frum and the others. Mm, mm. And what I'm saying I like David Frum, though. I didn't used to, but I do know. Yes, because those are people with principles. They are Republicans. You don't agree with their policies, but they, they have principles. They have lines they don't cross. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is, even amongst the non-PDP-leaning folks or people who used to support Erufai, there has to be a never-Erufai group where we say, okay, we've reached the point with you where we are done. Yeah, I think I reached my point last week. It, it, yeah, so it, it really pained me because I had a lot of time for his intellectual nous, so to speak. It, it really pains me, but I, well, I think it's a wrap. I think it's. My, I mean, I think last. Is, I think last week. That, I mean, not last week. The last conversation we had. I think it showed me that there was nothing he wouldn't do. There well, was. Yeah, so it's been obvious to everybody for a while. There was nothing he wouldn't do. Nothing he wouldn't say. And I think you know. I, I mean, even when he said the thing about uh, uh, Christians and Ijo people being behind uh, or Igbo people being behind Boko Haram, I was yeah. outraged. I tweeted at him. I've been tweeting at this fellow since 2011. Sometimes he will respond and tell me to go and ask somebody else. Sometimes he won't. But I've been tweeting at him since 2011, and you know, we've been having a kind of, oh, how can you say this? No, I didn't mean that kind of, you know. But I realized that sometimes, you know, like I know you now. If somebody says Michael said something. Yeah. And everybody's outraged. I say, okay, wait, I know him. Maybe this isn't what he meant. Let me go and ask him. Because you're 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 normal ordinary guy. But I yeah. think extending that too much to leaders and politicians is a waste of time. Why? Because they employ a coterie of people to advise them on what to say and how to say it. It's up to them to then listen. So when you come out and you say you utter some things in public, there's no need to be given them the benefit of the doubt. You just take them at their word. And I think I've reached that point with this fellow. It's I don't care what he means. And I think that was a conversation I was having and I realized that I was actually furthering the cause. It doesn't matter if what he says has any merit. The point is it is intended to have a particular effect. And that effect is an evil effect. And if that is apparent, whatever he meant is irrelevant. Well, yes, no, he, he knows what he was doing. He's, yeah. he's done this right from, imagine claiming uh, Andy Deltons are disguising as herdsmen to kill people in Kaduna. What do you mean of that? So this is a, a fellow who, for him, if, if you, a refined with kind, if you said, they look, we need to press a nuclear bomb to blow up one part of Nigeria, and that's the only way you can win the election. You will never even think about it. So you have to see, press the button. So that, that kind of fellow is not someone I want to have any kind of... No, no, he can't. He can't. He, he's, he doesn't have the right temperament. He's wicked. And I think he would do anything. He would do absolutely anything to remain in power. And that yeah. that has to be a no-no. In a country like Nigeria, where firstly, there are no consequences for wicked actions, where people can turn around and kill each other with very little provocation, we do not yeah. need pe- somebody like him anywhere near... But, but, but that was Asura. part of my annoyance again with what he even did in Kaduna. Because literally, anybody who knows the way Kaduna works is, Kaduna is a mini Nigeria. You can literally Yeah, very cosmo city, yeah. Once you press the wrong button, you trigger a crisis. Mm. So, in the midst of all the fighting and all that, how then do you say, okay, you want to pick a female running man, and you pick a Muslim, and then you're acting as if you don't know that this is a problem. Mm. I mean, it's about diversity. They'll, They'll say to you, well, uh, why should religion matter? Well, ideally it shouldn't matter, but the truth is this is Kaduna. 
Are these things matter in Kaduna State? Um, to be honest, my view on that goes thus. Now, I my it's my understanding that the woman herself is some an ethnic minority or something, and whatever. Look, I personally feel that it's less than ideal that the woman is Muslim. It, I like that she's a woman. That makes me happy, especially as Lagos has gone in the opposite direction. I like that she's a woman. That makes me happy. But I'm certain you could have found a Christian woman. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You could find a Christian woman. There are many qualified Southern Kaduna Christian women. He yeah. knows what he was doing. It's the same thing. The same thing you're doing what, at the what, federal level. You're doing on the state. What level. do you think was behind that? What, what, what's what's that about? Well, it's 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 obvious. Basically, with all the crisis in Southern Kaduna and the killing of the recent uh, uh, king that died a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. Rufai, The only way Erufai can win is to create another us versus them battle in Kaduna. So if you pick a Muslim Muslim ticket, what that would do is it will rile up your base. And then obviously the Christians will now rise up and say, look, this is unfair, this is injustice. Well, we're saying somewhere else, yeah. So once you trigger that kind of us versus them, then he knows that the numbers are going to come out in his favor. Because even there'll be many people who would have been inclined to support PDP at first, who would have thought, oh, uh, this is now Muslim versus Christian. So I need to identify with my uh, Muslim brotherhood against the Christians, or the Christians will do the opposite. So he always does stuff like this. And, and, and what I don't understand is, you cannot say you've been to university abroad, you've gone to Harvard, where they teach all these things, diversity management, and then you turn up and say, oh, well, I, at least I picked a woman, as if that was the only woman in the whole state. <laughs> it's a bit like someone telling Trump, you need to pick, you need to address the minority issue, and then he says, well, I've, I've, I've appointed a, a white woman. As if, well, what does that mean? Yeah, so yeah. There's no black qualified woman? Yeah, yeah, or Latino or something. Yeah. yeah, 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 I understand you. I mean, when when I saw the pick, my initial thing was, yay, he picked a woman. And then I started seeing the whole Muslim-Muslim thing. I was like, oh, jeez, man, this guy. Another one. Another is, another day, you know, another one. It's like, it's as if this dude is actually... <laughs> It's actually spoiling what's something to happen. I'm in, well, I, I said that already. I think he needs an imaginary enemy. One, he's created a one that he's imagined. That's the only way he can get reelected. And I think what you said now just re- reiterated that, right? So he knows. He knows. I mean, I think he's he's wickedly smart. He knows what he's doing. And he's... Oh, I'm really so annoyed that I spend so much time talking about this fellow. Oh, my God. Well, he has to because at the end of the day, we don't have guns. We don't have political power. What you have is your voice. And if you don't use that voice, whatever influence well, I'm, you have... Well, I mean, I'm tired, Michael. I'm tired because once somebody mentions him to me, my first instinct is to be defensive because it's always that they're trying to accuse me of something that I haven't done. I don't throw rocks and hide my hand, much to my detriment. My dealings with the fellow have been very open, very well documented. If you search my tweets with, tweet with his name, N-E-R or l it's a motley crew of, oh my God, how can you say this? Oh, I hate him. Oh, maybe he can be president. It's never like one thing or the other. It's always like me me in like a mix of emotions about this fellow, right? But I've always been very straight up about how I feel about him as a person. Where I agree, I'll say. Where I disagree, I'll say. But I think you're right. I think it's gotten to a point where being on the fence where he's concerned is not good enough because his actions really threaten they present an existential threat to the country actually yeah. not, well, not, exactly not just threat, state. Security. yeah 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 i i think he's when when i saw the follow-ups about his tweets on obi i was like no 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 he's not gonna back down i think this is the first 
this is the first salvo, you know, he's going to double down on this and triple down on it. And his minions, his kids, their friends, the APC yeah. boys, they're all going to double down on this. And it's going to, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, caramba. I mean, even for someone like Bishop Kuka, because anybody who knows Bishop Kuka knows that he's the most fair-minded person you ever meet of, of the Nigerian clergy. Is he, is he Matthew Kuka? Yes, Matthew Hassan Kuka. Yeah, Very he, fair-minded. He got me a job in Abuja once, teaching in the school. Um, yeah. Yeah, Very fair-minded. So for even Bishop Kuka to be warning that this Erufai is dangerous, that's when you realize how bad this dude is. I am, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really, really disappointed in him. I think it's, it's obvious. I think when he did the thing about Aldu, I tweeted, "Oh, this fellow clearly doesn't have advisors." He does have advisors. He just yeah, doesn't listen. Doesn't he just doesn't listen to them. He doesn't like. He thinks he's so convinced of the righteousness of his own actions and the rightness of his own actions that he just doesn't listen to them. It doesn't doesn't matter what they say. He doesn't care. And but I think it behooves us as Nigerians, if you permit me to say this, to really find a way to not give too much oxygen to this kind of thing. Because what I was I, and I said this to Chata in his DMs as well. I said, listen. You can be outraged about this tweet, and I understand that it's outrageous, but you have to be careful. The more you engage it, the more you give air, and the more it becomes, okay, fine, you're saying Obi didn't do this, but Obi did that. Then it becomes an exchange on what he did and what he didn't do, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then yeah. you help them to achieve their aim, which is to perpetuate this shit. No, but, but it depends how you engage it. Okay. But that's, that's the point. The point is not to argue with him about uh, back and forth. The mm -hmm. point is to step forward and condemn him and say, look, what you have done is wrong and mm -hmm. we're done with you. Because the same thing will happen in America. It's a bit mm -hmm. like uh, activists in America saying, oh, when Trump says something hateful, nobody should respond. We should just ignore it. No, we should come out clearly and say, we condemn you for this thing. Yeah, Trump. yeah, I'm, 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 I support that action. I support yeah. it. But what I'm just wary of, and it's because I'm a little bit on edge. Every time elections come around, I'm on edge like this, yeah? What I'm wary of is that we start debating like the merit of the of the accusations or or the merits of what he's saying because then it it it, it gets a, a a bit of legitimacy. Do you see what I'm saying? No, 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 nobody's going to debate the merits with him. Whatever he wants to say, what we just need to do is condemn him. That say, look, even for going in that direction, we repudiate you. And he needs yeah. to know that look, there's no hiding, there's no safe space for you on this place amongst on this platform here. on this on this platform yeah. here so if you want to do that politics go and look for thugs and hang with them when he says it condemn him and present the unemployment figures i take this what's your response yes that fuck off like it's it's oh uh, no i was i was i woke up i was like shit like it just dawned on me i was tweeting on my timeline do you know like when they have these meetings and then like four or five people start tweeting the same thing and yeah. you know that there's a concerted effort to like get the conversation to move in a particular direction yeah. I was like, oh, these people have come with this. It's it's really it's really sad, and it's gla I'm glad that a lot of people see through it now. No, we, we we have to because the strange thing is on Saturday I spent most of Saturday having lunch with uh, one of the first Republic uh, journalists. I don't know if you know him, uh, Peter Pan or Peter Pan, uh, Peter Navarro. I know the name. Yes. He's actually first generation journalist, and I spent all of Saturday just chatting with him. He's in his eighties now. And when he's talking about some of the issues we've had in Nigeria, it was almost like he was talking about today. And it dawns on you that we've been going around in circles with the same problem. Mm -hmm. And the, and the re reason is, like he himself said, is because people who had influence didn't speak up. Everybody just preferred to keep quiet, either to be 
not to offend the powers that be, or just because they couldn't be bothered. And I just realized that at our age, we are now the generation who needs to speak. Mm. We're now over yeah. people who are over twenty-one. You're, you're now adults. Yeah, I think I think Twitter especially needs to become too hot for him to function. Yeah. Once Twitter is too hot for him, maybe the message will finally reach home because I think Twitter is a big platform in terms of generating news, in terms of generating conversations nationally, even right. Yeah, and internationally. Yes. Once the place gets too hot for him, then it will, it it might hit home because, yeah, you're right. He needs to feel the fire. He needs to feel that you, you can't come here with this. Take it somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that well, one. Our generation is now in charge. What are we going to tell our kids if the country burns down? Then they will ask you, what did you say? Say, oh, well, I do want to talk because I do want to. No, 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 no. If, if the elect... Look, what worries me is that there is a particular kind of history. I believe that all Nigerian politicians are duplicitous. Don't get me wrong. I really do believe it. But yes. there is a particular kind of history that makes this uniquely dangerous. No, I'll, I'll say politicians world over are selfish and self-centered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But right. the real issue is there's Here, a line you know you don't, you don't cross. cross. And this line, especially, you do not cross. Yes. You do not, you do not play near it. You do not torchlight it, as we say. You leave it alone. Yes. Because we I, have suffered. The country has suffered for it too much. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. There's the point. Because even in Britain, we have devious politicians here, but they know that you don't, there's some race card games you don't even go near. Right. Unless you know. Right. I mean, nobody will start campaigning and start talking about, oh, well, um, Irish people something, something, the yeah. IRA. Like, no, because we know, you know, that's a fire you don't really want to rekindle. Yeah. You know? No, but just like Trump is basically the uh, refined with blonde hair. Because Trump has just come no, but you see, and looks for the lines and just hits them. Trump is dangerous, I agree. And I think yeah. he, the damage he will, he will wreak on America will be felt for years to come. But at least in America, right, they still have a belief, at least a majority of them still have a belief in their systems. They yeah. still know that if you cross the line, I can still go to court. The police yeah. will still arrest you. Who's going to arrest who in Nige? All the injustices, all the people that have been killed, who has ever gotten justice for it? Well, that's my main worry, because I think... For all the panic that people have been panicking about Nigeria, this is actually the real time to panic. Because I'm for the panicking. first time, the strong men that held the country together are all in their 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've seen pictures of IBB. IBB, I don't think he can walk anymore. No, he can't. So, once these men die, there's no elder. Nobody can talk to a Rufai. Even Amechi, there's no elder that can talk to Amechi. So, these are the kinds of people that will start one Yes, fight. but Amechi would never do something like this, uh, Michael. He would never. Even yeah. as, as market woman behavior as he exhibits, he would never do something no, like Amechi this. No, Amechi will cross it. What I mean is, if there's any... I mean, look, you, I don't know if you remember this, this, this. In a way, this is how the Civil War started because you had a young, hothead uh, uh, lieutenant colonel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who nobody could talk to. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if, if wise or elder politicians had been in charge, we would have fought the civil war. Yeah, yeah. But these were young hotheads. Nobody wanted to listen. Mm-hmm, and this mm-hmm. is literally where we're coming back again to that very point. If if people like him, if people like Elrofi and, um, well, especially him, because I think, you know, some other actors in the North are more far more conciliatory than he is, but especially him are the leading spokespeople in the North. And then you have whatever stooge that Tinubu has put there is a leading <laughs> spokesperson in the Southwest. So you know he has no real power. It's whatever it serves Tinubu's interest that he will follow. We're yeah. going to be in real trouble. No, we are. That's, that's my main fear because my main issue with the APC is, okay, fine. 
you become a left-leaning opposition party. But at least have some statesmen in that party. I'm generally shocked at the lack of statesmen in the APC. The thing is just blowing. Look at Oshomole talks like a, a market woman, a market man. Oshomole is a, it's a wrap for him. I think he's been so thoroughly demystified by his role as an as the chairman of the APC. So thoroughly, thoroughly demystified. It was a mess all around. The primaries were a mess everywhere, you know. And but then that's not surprising, given attitude reflects leadership as they say you see the leader you see the chairman <laughs> you see night you see day <laughs> you, i mean they're, they're they're both as useless as each other no offense but that's so just I'm, that's just what it is no, um, that's, that's my main fear these guys hold power and i've obasan joe and co are dead who is going to these people can just set in, send an army into another place one town and kill everybody they can, there. They can do anything they want and there'll be no elders they can even yeah. listen to mm. because erufa is the kind who can tell go on to shut up no, let me tell you something. He's very convinced. Like when you speak to him one on one, he's interesting because he knows a lot about a lot, and he's very, he's very, um, he's open. Like he wants to answer questions. He doesn't tell you, "Don't ask me this, don't ask me that." So yeah. it's you will listen to me. You know, this is a very reasonable fellow. I much like I came away with that impression when I interviewed him. You know, that was the impression that I got. Now, if he was somebody with sense, that would be a very valuable, you know, kind of character to have about the place. But there's this there's this thing inside him that is I am always right. Yeah. I, only I know the way it should be done. Don't tell me anything. I'm always right. I told you. I spoke with some people who you know they're like the fellow doesn't listen. We try. He actually does not listen. Well, that's my my fear. If who is he going to talk? To? Who is going to talk to him? Who will listen to even imams? You think Sultan Sokoto will be able to talk to a Rufai? No, he doesn't rate them. Emil can only will talk to him. Michael, he does not rate them. See, all that all that kneeling down he does when he greets people is eye service. Yes, I know it's eye service. He does not he does not rate them at all. I this one I know for a fact. He doesn't rate them. So he's... No, I know that's that's what I'm, I'm worried about because at least in the past, traditional rulers were the sort of uh, people who sort of ease ease the tension. So I I mean Man, I, I'm 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 really disappointed. Like I'm I'm disappointed to my bone because I mean I don't know. Perhaps it's my own naivete because you know when I meet uh and honestly he's probably been the only one that I've really had a chance to speak to face to face one on one about Nigeria and whatever. And when he's saying the kinds of things that bother me, you know, like I want real federalism, I want real action, I want uh, uh I want young people to have something to do. And you're talking to a Nigerian leader that understands all these things and has ideas on these things, right? It's yeah. it's it's really nice because you're like, yeah, okay, you understand. You can you can make these things happen. You know, it's you know, you know, I I, I had a very soft spot for the fellow because I thought, okay, he will do something. Like Nigeria will be better for it, whatever he does, but nah. Yeah. Nah. So, but this, this, I think uh, he puts himself first and foremost, just like everybody else, but he's even particularly more dangerous because he's so smart. And he well, knows so and he knows the face to wear when he talks to relevant media, you know. So Well yes, but that's why we call them we call four nine people confidence tricksters. Because mm. They say what you want to hear. He's not the only. He's not the only talk for that. I mean, look what's happening in the uh, Kwara State. If you sit with Saraki, Saraki will, will talk to you about philosophy, economics. You come and know that me, I don't Saraki's like Saraki. Saraki's intelligent enough to do it for you. You know, I don't like Saraki. So, <laughs> well then, we're now talking about. We joined you in shouting that Adil Shu must go because of this NYC nonsense. Shitu must must go, and then people have done the same thing. Kwara yeah, State, but hold on, hold on. Why can't I ne- intervene? Well, I don't know, but my own suspicion is 
you know these ABC guys too. Sometimes they can be smart. So I think there's some plan that they have. Yes, but Saraki must know now. Come on, he's not a small boy. No, they might be playing games because they will fight to his intelligence. They might say, okay, look, let's leave this dude. Let him win first. And then we'll now pull it out. But everybody then, knows it's not a secret now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised. But that, that's, that for me is the... I, I, think there's, 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 I think they're trying to trap him somehow. But it'll become clearer. But I'm just surprised. Or because next, it's now too late for the PDB to withdraw him, I believe, right? And they submitted yeah. him after the story had broke. Yeah. So... I'm, I'm sure there's some there's some trick up their no, sleeve. No, no, no. The trick up their sleeve. There's no trick up their sleeve, Michael. The guy submitted his education certificate as stopping in secondary school. Do you yeah. get me? So he did not mention NYC. He did not mention uni. So it's not by force to, to submit those credentials, is it? No, but he's already... But from what I understand... But he's still broken the law, still. No, but what I understand, he's already broken the law because the way uh, a lawyer, Abdul Mahmoud, explained the act to me mm-hmm. is that once you're a graduate, and you didn't graduate before 30, mm-hmm. and you're a Nigerian citizen, and you come to Nigeria to work or do anything, you must do it. So it's you can't, yeah, of... yeah, I, I understand. And I think I agree from what I know of the act, because I read yeah. it. I was trying to escape, so I read it myself. <laughs> yeah. So he can't then claim I only have YX. Like, what kind of mm-hmm. stupid lies? Like, you still have to have your NYC because you have been working. Yeah, and you're a barrister. Everybody knows you're a barrister. Even I Google him. And also, I am certain that when he got elected to the House of Assembly as his current... Was he a senator or a member of the House? He was a member of the House. As a member of the House, yes. he, he submitted his... <laughs> yes, on, his, on, the, on, the, on the website. These on people the house, are not very smart. There. Yes, on the website it says there that he has my bachelor's and master's in law. Ooh. So this new YX thing, <laughs> they have YX is a new uh, development. <laughs> Michael said new YX. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this whole YX business, it's, it's a new phenomenon. I can you say, they do speak, speak what they call for there very well. Mm. Like, like, uh, uh, like uh, Saraki himself. Yes, yeah, literally, even better than Saraki. Sounds like a Tory politician. They are telling me you only have YX. So why, why, like why, why what, what is informing the confidence to proceed with this guy's uh, nomination? I don't understand. Well, because now everybody so knows. Well, I, I don't know what is going on, but my suspicion is maybe there's so many of them who don't have it that they are thinking, well, we're safe because we'll bring the whole thing down. Yes, but Michael, it's either they're confident that if he goes to court, they can't win, that the opposition can't win if they challenge it in the court, or that choir opposition doesn't really exist, or you, there must be the confidence must rest on something, yeah. Well, we'll we'll find out in due course what has given him this courage. Because this is a massive risk to take. If if the governorship is taken away from Saraki, ha ha ha, <laughs> it's going to be but, very risky. But the, the only thing I know is there's a certain there's a level of, of power you get where you you think you you're now untouchable. Mm-hmm. Because even Tunubu sometimes makes some very silly mistakes. Like you think, why have you done this? But then mm-hmm. you realize that, okay, this dude now thinks he's so beyond mm-hmm. uh, reach that mm-hmm. he can do whatever he wants. So I sense that that's what's happening to Saraki in Quara as well. Hmm. But who, who's the APC candidate in Quara? Well, we, we don't. I don't think they even know. I don't know either. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know it's not Lai Mohammed because there's a point where they said Lai was uh, <laughs> thinking of running. <laughs> But yeah, but he wanted to endorse whoever ran. Like he, he was, he's very keen on Quara in terms of that. That, that fellow is another. It, the the less said about him, the better. Please, I don't want to be hypertensive tonight. Like, Look, what I don't understand is where in the world do you hold a live press conference 
and then in, during the press conference say something is off the record whilst we're on TV. Mm. I mean, what kind of off the record statement is that? No, I, I, I don't understand. Like, even he does he not think about the lies? We pay three million a month to feed El Zagzaki. One person, no. Even if, even if you convert that to naira, what am I eating? Convert convert it to sterling. What am I eating? <laughs> I think APC too. They tell so many lies. They become lazy. They just say whatever. No, but you know, no... you know, you know. The thing is, I you know, you've been actually saying this to me for a while, and I think it finally made sense. <laughs> because the APC is a very loose coalition. Yeah. Everybody does whatever they can to further their relevance in the party. Yeah. Like that, you know, their visibility, their relevance, whatever. And there's nobody to tell them, come on, stop that. Because it's pretty much every man for himself. You just say what you have to say to keep yourself relevant and on the news. And nobody will caution you. You face no repercussions for it. You get yeah. me? I, th- I think that informs a lot of their behavior. Well, because it's very strange. And like, what's, what's the meaning of this? And then, and then the outfit actually apologized. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> think it's comedy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's comedy. It's com- I mean, I, look, how how into you to round this up so you can get back to your babies? How is it looking to you? Because it's not, I don't know, maybe it's because campaigns haven't started or whatever, because, I mean, I'm getting really frustrated with the PDP in Lagos. I don't know, yeah. it looks like nothing is going on. Even the ginger, they're not tapping into the ginger. You know, it's it's crazy. Well, to be honest, I think on the for the national campaign, the first question that needs to be resolved is whether Buhari is going to sign this new electoral act. Because that's their first uh, joker. Why wouldn't he sign it? Well, because the act makes card readers compulsory. Which means the thing that happened in Tana won't be able to happen again. I.e., even if you claim you have 5 million votes, everybody needs to do that biometric card reader vote. Oh, they've already set the grounds for that with our... 1,000 million members that voted in the primary is nonsense. Yes, but if, if there's no card reader or biometric, then yes, we can produce one, 1 billion kids. Can we go to the Nigeria Republic and produce them and produce the numbers? But with the biometric card reader, it's harder to do that because these people would have had to present their passports, confirming their age before they even got the thing in the first place. Mm. So that is something... Wait, Michael, Michael, wait, 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 wait. Do you think a lot of Nigerians have passports like that? No, but because of the rigorous process that is required to even get your PVC, it's harder to have... Well, registration is over now, so who's getting PVC again? Yes, that's what I mean. So, if it, like, look what happened in uh, AKT, for example. Mm. AKT Anoshu. They insisted on card readers. And you saw that because, because card readers were in play, the, the, the margin was very small, and in fact, it was vote buying or intimidation that he had to use to win. Mm-hmm. But if there was no uh, card reader... I would have been blowouts. Yeah, they'd have just manufactured people, just brought people from other states and said, oh, yeah, you line up here and vote. Okay, so essentially what happened in Kano, Bomb, Rivers, cannot happen again. Right, I don't know. It's only the Kano one I know. Yeah, of it's course, okay. it will only be the Kano one. one. It will only be the Kano one you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when we, yeah, they, 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 they return over a million votes in Aquaibars. Like, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> yeah, so, those states where they didn't use card reader, it won't be able to work again. Mm. So, that's the first thing APC doesn't want because Ganduje knows that there's no 5 million votes anywhere. Hey, Ganduje, we didn't even discuss that one. <laughs> that's shame. <laughs> Releasing so, it like Nollywood film. No, I'm just. Because I was asking uh, somebody who's. Uh, 
who used to work, a friend of mine who used to work with the SSF, VSF. And I was asking, I was like, I've never heard of a governor in my whole life collecting bribes himself. Fresh dollars, palming dollars. Yes, usually you have an aide who's, who's a, a PA bribe. Mm-hmm. You call him FA of bribe. course now. He's always collecting for you. Because I don't know if you remember, you remember that whole Halliburton thing? Mm-hmm. The reason why they couldn't pay the passenger was because all the money was collected via an aid. Mm-hmm. And you trust the passenger, passengers denied the aid. Of well, course not. Who knows him? Know who. <laughs> and the aid had to take the fall. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time. It's like, why was the governor so desperate? And then the person explained that uh, there are two reasons. Firstly, a lot of that bribe taking took place around the time when there was a dollar scarcity. Okay. Because if you see the date, it was around 2016. The 2017, period. that time, yeah. So that time there was heavy dollar scarcity and everybody was all mad for themselves. You couldn't even trust your own aid to collect dollar bribes. <laughs> before, before your bribe goes missing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anything dollar, the Gadija said, no, no, don't worry. I will collect it myself. <laughs> so they, they explained that that's the first uh, possible reason. And the second one is, uh, they said, you see, maybe Ganduji as deputy governor did not really see money mm. under Kwankwa So mm. for him, this was his uh, baptism. Mm. So the guy was just like, no, 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 I must collect this thing myself before you even start telling me stories. Like Aisha's uh, ADC that he said around with 2.5. Yes, million. yes. Yeah. So nobody wants, because you know the economy was hard at that period. So of nobody course. Nobody wants stories that touch. Yes, no, yes. I mean, the guy is clearly being protected by Asorok, right? Well, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Why do you say he hasn't seen the video? You know? Yes, no, he doesn't even know the story itself. Yes, you know, because look, look what he's, he did with uh, Shomoli. He authorized the DSS interview with Shomole. Imagine. And when Shomole went to see him, Boris said he wasn't aware. Of course. Is he ever aware? <laughs> he always does that. He just pretends like he doesn't know. But come, have you seen that uh, SLS is firing some missiles his way? Who? Ganduje's way. SLS is saying some things. Of some course. snide remarks. You know, Ganduje wanted to get him earlier. Yes. Well, now he feels uh, Ganduje is vulnerable. Well, he but, is. Well, the, the real issue is Ganduje might be, but if he talks too much and Buari gets annoyed, Buari can order Ganduje to remove him. No, if he talks too much and Ganduje gets selected, they will dust his file now. Yes, because you know, the first time they were going to remove him, it wasn't just Ganduje that wanted him out. Buari too was getting annoyed. Well, because, because he, he was, was talking too much. Speeches. Yeah, he was talking too much. About exactly. girls' rights and all this and all that. Yes. He was pissing people off, yeah. And Buari was like, my friend, will you... But PYO was the one that intervened. But PYO, yes. Mm. No, they have to beg now because we said, okay, please, please. <laughs> yes, but removing removing the emir doesn't look good for them either, to be fair. No, it won't look good, but at the end of the day... And now, and now, Michael, the joke is now, they can't play that corruption joke on him anymore. Well, They'll have to know, find something else. They, they still can. They can pull out another scandal because the, the way... They, they have tabs on everybody, so they can pull something out on him. Sure. If he doesn't behave himself. The real, my real issue is, is Sanusi. I, I genuinely hope that as Emir, he will shut his trap. Yeah, he should. He really should. If you've agreed to be part of the system, just be quiet. Yes, because there's, there's a role for Emirs. I mean, the Obama being inserted a few weeks ago, that look, traditional rulers should not be talking. Your job is to be quietly advising people, not be making noise. In the newspapers I mean, I, I think you all. saw Obama of Lagos' last interview. Where well, he just openly said he supports Buhari, that he prays Buhari. Yeah, today. but you know that above Lagos. I'm a Lagosian to the core, and it pains me to admit, but he's a stooge. He's a Tinubu stooge, so don't take him seriously. When you call reasonable people, don't call him. Just leave that one where he is. My problem with SLS is that 
he wants to be this regal emir, but he also wants to be talking. He wants to be. He wants to continue being an authority on issues. You can't do both. Well, I to be be honest, I said this very. I made this very point even when he was CBN governor. I said, look, because funny enough, your the man you support, King Mogalu, criticized Lamido at the time as well. I said, look, there are some things you don't talk about in public. Some things are beyond you when you're CBN governor. You have to be seen and not heard. I mean, in, in Britain, CBN governor does not talk. I mean, the Mark Carney. When was the last time I even heard him talk? So yes, they don't. They don't. There's some things, and that's my issue with him. You have to know your position in 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 the system. As a senator, there's some things that you're concerned. There's some things that are not your concern. But he, once he has an opinion, he must give it. Yes, no. Yes, and 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 that's going to come back to bite him. So he needs to be careful. Um, the elections, well. We didn't even we didn't land on that. You didn't give me your final thoughts on that. How well, is how is looking to you? Well, to be honest, I think if the elections are free and fair, it's game over already for the APC. Mm. To be honest, I think the free and fair election, I think it's game over because you have the southeast, south south, a lot of the north. Because the real question is, we know Buhari's numbers. And we have to ask ourselves, how many people who voted for Buhari the last time are willing to come out to do it again? I mean, the battleground is really the northeast and the southwest. Yes. And of those places, I, I, I don't know of any, to be honest, I don't know of any individual who opposed Buhari the last time who is now willing to support him. But in terms of like, people. in terms of like the political class or individuals, like normal people Nigerians? I know people who were against him, I mean, who were for him, who, who, have, who have sworn no, I mean it's fifty-fifty for Buhari in the southwest. If 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 the PDP really pushes, they could definitely win the southwest, right? No, the, um, the southwest. He's not. To be honest, the last time he he, I think I didn't. I didn't even sure he won the southwest the last time. Or if it did, it was a small margin. Mm-hmm, but now I don't mm-hmm. see him getting those numbers. Yeah, the PDP so could, if they push really, they could win the southwest. And I I I mentioned this to you like about four podcasts ago or three. That yes. I think. That Tinubu and Atiku will reach an agreement on Lagos. I really believe that. No, I, I don't know if they will. Okay, let's see. I'm convinced that Atiku cannot win the Southwest. I mean, Buhari cannot win the Southwest. Free, freely and fairly, it will be yeah. very tough. Free and fair, I don't think. I it don't will think be very, it. very, very tough. Like I'm not ready to call it, but it will be very tough. It's a, de- it's no. a, it's a toss up by definition. It's a proper toss up. No, I'm, re- I'm ready to call it free and fair. He can win. He can mm. win Southwest. But yes. I, I don't see him winning North Central. That one is yes. gone. Not yet. So, Southwest and Northeast are really the core battlegrounds. Adamawa is a wrap there. Taraba is a wrap there. So, yes. that leaves where... That so leaves... The, the thing is, like uh, Buba Galadima said in one of his interviews... That man is bombastic. <laughs> yes. Uh, like the, the thing with Buba made a valid point, and a lot of people have said the same thing. Buhari supports all through previous elections were not just him. It was a coalition of people who did the groundwork for him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people have switched sides. He can't campaign now. Even when, even then, even CPC, CMP, APC, yes. what was the other party called? AMPP. The yes. fellow can't campaign. Yeah, it wasn't him. It was people who mobilized on his behalf. Mm-hmm. And all those people from the northern elite, the, the religious leaders, many of them have switched sides. Mm. So he can't get any support amongst the generals. When IBB uh, T1 
why. I mean, the generals have played their hand. Yes, they said, said Atiku is our man. Yeah. He, he doesn't have, even with the Northwest, that they keep saying he'll win, he'll be surprised at how fragile his, his support is there. Because this is, this is not just Atiku versus Buhari, it is the Northern Elite versus Buhari. <laughs> Everybody has said this dude needs to go. Even the religious leaders. You have Shegumi who's saying, look, look, this guy, he needs to go. What is their, what is their gripe with him? Pardon? What is their gripe with him? Well, there's a lot of issues. The first is the economy is in tatters. Mm. Like the bathroom just said, even people who are doing business are struggling. So they are just thinking, why is my business suffering? And this dude doesn't even have a plan. So that's their first issue. Then their second issue is, he's a terrible leader, a manager of people. Terrible. Terrible. All of us amongst the Northern Elite created a coalition to bring you into office. And then you just appointed only your relatives in key positions. So are we... Because people like Mama Dara were nowhere to be seen during the campaign. Shebi, that's what the wife was saying. Yes. Yes, she said, she said it now. Mm-hmm. So we all worked hard to put this man there. And then all of a sudden, Dara comes in with... Uh, what's that chief of staff's uh, uh, name? Kiari. Grassman. Or the, another yes. one. <laughs> Yeah, Abakiari. Mm. All these men show up and start blocking access to someone that we put there. These, these men were not even there during the campaign. So that's their first graph. That this dude doesn't know what he's doing. And, second, and thirdly, he just mismanaged the whole uh, Dasuki thing. Doesn't seem to. Uh, oh, yes, he told me. Yes, yes. He's offended the royal house of Sokoto. Is it Sokoto? Yes. Yeah. So a lot of people are just. And then even amongst the IBB. Uh, gang and a lot of the Kaduna Mafia, they call them Kaduna Mafia people. Their own approach has always been look, okay, the British gave power to the North or gave them an advantage politically. And the, the way to maintain this advantage is to be able to manage your relationship with all parts of Nigeria. So you can say, yes, we are the top, but make sure you don't rub it in their faces that you are the top. Because if you look at uh, Yaradua or Babangida, they always try to give minorities a place in government, so nobody ever felt left out. But this guy has just done the opposite. So, so even for, for them, they think the only way to maintain our advantage is this guy has to go. We need someone who, who is emotionally intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. I mean, to me, I'm just really, really hopeful that this government is kicked out. I'm very, very hopeful. I think I think it looks good. It looks good on ground that, you know, even though I'm not supporting either party, well, I'm yeah. definitely not supporting the UPC, but yeah, I mean it looks good that they will get turfed and that that can only be good for the citizens. We need we need we need the economy to be kicking again. Like it's amazing how a developed economy can still grow more. I mean it's <laughs> but anyway it's all good it's all good we will gather again and, and discuss i'm going off to Niger in december hopefully it's i can run in, yeah i can run into some people and discuss and have meetings with them as well the campaign should be in full swing by then i think it starts what on the first of december oh yes it starts the first of december i think i'm going to uh for the first time i'm going to i'm going to do more not just uh yeah the last time i gave some money but i think this time i'll give some more money and do some more helping out yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm certainly going to get involved. To what extent, I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to get involved. I mean, last time I was quite involved. This time I might be 
at least on the state level, I might be more involved than I was the last go around. So we'll so, see. No, we, we, we have to because these people need to. Uh, this, this people need to feel the heat. So even if APC wins, it needs to be such a difficult election yeah. for them to win that for the first time it actually humbles them. Yeah, I mean, look, once Nigerian politicians get into power, that humility is gone. So yeah. let's let's hope they don't win. Sorry. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's the only remedy. Let's just hope they don't win. That, for me, is the long and short of it because the suffering of ordinary Nigerians... I mean, we've talked yeah, about this before. Much. It's too much. People who have never asked you for a penny. In the last yeah. two years, they've called and asked, and you're like, what's going on? You know, yeah. so it's too much. It's too much. The, the government needs to go, and that's it, really. Listeners, we want to thank you once again for tuning in. Please feel free to ask us any questions you might have. Catch me on at Afro7 on Twitter, and you can catch Michael on at Nigeria's Best. We thank you for sticking with us. Stay well. Take care of yourself and each other. And we'll catch you at the next episode. Thank Bye. You. Thank you, Michael.